And now, welcome to the Just the West podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and today is Saturday morning. I know that there are two Saturday NFL games today, uh, but I felt it was necessary to do a podcast just because I usually do a podcast on a weekly basis, and I wanted to cover week 16 of the NFL, week 16 of the NFC West. Uh, but more importantly, um, I have a little bit of time to kill uh, for those that do know me. Uh, today is a very special day in, in my family, actually. Uh, my, my little sister, uh, for those that do actually listen to the Just the West intro, uh, you hear that one female voice where it's like, welcome to the Just the West podcast. Uh, yeah, that's my sister. Her name is Stacy, and she's getting married today. Uh, today is December 22nd. Uh, I'm at the hotel at the Marriott in Livermore, um, and I was doing a couple of errands earlier in the morning, like getting coffee and breakfast for the uh, for the bridesmaids and whatnot. Uh, but anywho, uh, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to just hop on, get on a pod, and talk about uh, some of the games at hand uh, within the division. And so let's go ahead and give a, a bit of an overview with the NFC West right now. Um, Rams are eleven and three. They. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much clinched the, the uh, playoff berth and the division, but um, it's still an important game for them in the, the sense that they are competing with the New Orleans Saints and the NFC uh, to take the top seed in the NFC conference. Um, so if they do, they get a first-round bye, which is crucial for them. They would love to have that first-round bye and to rest their players. I'll get into that game more specifically, but it's worth noting that Todd Gurley, their stud running back, he is hurt. Um, he finished the game last week, but he suffered a knee injury. He's questionable to play this week against the Cardinals at Arizona. Uh, so they got to continue to play to win. Hopefully they can round up that first round by and take it from there the following week. Second place is the Seattle Seahawks. They are 8-6. and six, And wow. Wow. Last week... They had an opportunity to clinch a playoff berth with a wild card berth at the number five seed in the NFC Conference. They played at San Francisco, and for those that do know the context of the Seattle-San Francisco rivalry, it really hasn't been a rivalry because they have one, two, three. They have won for five years. They have not lost to the Niners in nearly five years, and lo and behold, they just needed one more win against the quote-unquote no, no, lowly Niners to go ahead and clinch a playoff berth, but they were upsetted. Nick Mullins and the Niners took care of business at home. And so right now the Seahawks are 8-6, and six, and they have a very intriguing but very difficult game at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. High-powered offense, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Sunday Night Football, that should be a prime, prime time game. I'm so looking forward to that. After the winning, by the way. Um, lastly, you have the Arizona Cardinals. They are 3-11. Last place, we know that they're hosting the Rams. Um, but more importantly, I, I think it's worth noting that Josh Rosen, he is, have you seen his last three, four games? Um, he has been slowly regressing, which is not what you want to see out of your rookie quarterback, let alone your top 10 rookie quarterback. Um, he had two picks. One was a pick six. 
a fumble. He didn't look good, man. He didn't look good against the Atlanta Falcons at home last week. And so they are hosting the Rams, the aforementioned Rams. And it's just one of those things where uh, versus like the Niners or some other teams where, you know, they, they have some fight left in them. But, you know, with Christian Kirk out, Larry Fitzgerald kind of on his way out. I don't know how many more years he has left in the tank, but um, not much good to say about this Cardinals team right now. Um, they really have nothing to play for in that sense. But maybe neither do the Niners, actually. Um, but anywho, um, so they play the Rams. Um, the Niners host the Bears. And let's go ahead and get into those games. Before I get into those games, I was going to actually say this earlier on the pod. Uh, Stacy, congratulations on today's wedding. Uh, love you, all, all that good stuff. Uh, I hope it's going to be a lit reception. It'll be a great time, and it's going to be a very happy time for our family. So if you're listening to this pod, uh, if and when, congratulations. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the first game, as I mentioned before, which was the Rams-Cardinals game. I'll pick that first because it is a divisional game. It's a 1 o'clock Pacific Standard Time afternoon game at Arizona. um, But just off the top, I mean... What's really unsettling about the Rams the last couple weeks is they've been they've been underwhelming to say the least. Their defense, it's been it's been okay. Uh, Akib Talib he returned back from injury, and so they've had four interceptions the last two weeks. But you know more specifically, it just seems like this defense is um, they're really allowing a lot of big plays down the field. And uh, Alshon Jeffrey, the Eagles wide receiver, uh, had a career game. His best game, actually, as a Philadelphia Eagle, he had eight catches for 160 yards. And so it does make you wonder what's going on in Los Angeles, uh, whether their defense, I mean, because you have Madame de Consu, Aaron Donald, they traded for Dante Fowler. You have all these high-profile names, but you're really not seeing kind of like the cream of the crop, uh, all the fruition that you invested into these players. Um, they're not a top 10 defense they're not a top 15 defense i mean they have a great pass rush don't get me wrong but everything else from the run defense to their secondary within the middle of the field it has plenty of holes and so i guess for me um when i look at this game in particular you know this cardinals team they don't really have that many offensive pieces right now obviously you have david johnson who is a dual threat running back both as a receiver and as a runner you have Larry Fitzgerald. You have their tight end, Jermaine Gershom, which he's, I guess he's okay. You have Ricky Seals-Jones. But, I mean, just this offense collectively does not scare you. Josh Rosen, he's completed 12, 13 pass completions the last three out of the four games, which doesn't inspire a ton of confidence into this offense. And so... Putting it back on the Rams, I mean, this past defense has been okay, uh, but I think that this defense really needs to make a statement to their head coach, Sean McVay, to their defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips, and really show that, hey, you know what, there's a couple games left in the season. We're going to go to the postseason for sure, but we need to show our coaches, our fans, um, draft skeptics, NFL outsiders, whoever, that, hey, this Rams team is ready to go for a deep 
postseason run. And this might be the perfect rebound game for this defense. So take a look at that. Uh, another thing that comes to mind is, you know, it's been their most important players, which is their quarterback, Jared Goff, who was playing at a MVP level earlier on in the season. He just got voted into the Pro Bowl. Congratulations, Jared Goff. Todd Gurley, obviously um, an important piece on this offense. He's coming off a knee injury. He's questionable to play. And so it really makes me wonder with this dynamic of Goff and Gurley. Let's just say Gurley cannot play this game. And I know it's just the Cardinals team. Uh, they're not that good. But let's just say Gurley cannot play. Their top running back is Malcolm Brown. He's on injured reserve. While their rookies, John Kelly and Justin Davis, they have hardly seen the field this season. They have a couple snaps in between. They played on special teams, whatever. Uh, the Rams signed C.J. Anderson. Uh, he was on the Broncos. He was on the Panthers this past season. They cut him. Uh, so the Rams picked him up off of waivers earlier on this week, and he is presumed as the starter should Todd Gurley not play. And so let's just say this running offense gets compromised because Todd Gurley, he's, he's a dual threat type of player in a similar mold to David Johnson. So let's just say that Gurley is out. Uh, more pressure is going to get put on Goff to carry this offense. And here's the thing. Goff doesn't look like the same Goff the first half of the season. I think that his quarterback rating the last three games, it's at an average, let me check, 54.5, which is horrible. Um, 54.5 quarterback rating. He's th thrown a, a ton of picks as of late. He's taking a ton of sacks, and I don't know if that's all on him. I know that Justin Blythe, uh, I think it's their left guard. Don't quote me on that. Left guard. Uh, but Austin Blythe, he hasn't been playing particularly well. Uh, this offense as a whole, um, it seems like Goff has been a bit more timid. He's been getting hit a little bit more than he's used to. And so this Carlos front seven, I mean, I know the team as a whole isn't that great right now. But their front seven isn't too bad. I mean, they still have Marcus Golden. They still have Chandler Jones. They still have a ton of edge players that do make you worrisome. And so, Jared Goff. I mean, going back to the pass defense, this is a good rebound game for them. But if Gurley cannot play this game, or if Gurley is limited, which I kind of expect. I think that Gurley will play, but he'll be... Uh, maybe he won't get 25 to 30 touches, but he'll be in the mix. But let's just say that the the game plan with Gurley does get compromised. Uh, it's going to be on Goff to get things back on track. Show to to everyone, actually, uh, myself included, that uh, this is your team. You do deserve to be in the Pro Bowl. So having said that, let's go ahead and predict it. Uh, right now, we have the spread with the Rams at... Uh, this might be a season high, actually. Wow, that's really high. The Rams are favored on the road, so the Cardinals are home dogs. 14.5 points over under 44. I just have nothing really good to say about the Cardinals at, at this point right now. Um, they had an embarrassing loss to the Falcons last week. It seems like right now they're on their last legs. They are waiting for... Week 16 and Week 17 to pass and look into the offseason. So go ahead and give me the Rams 31, Cardinals 13 in a rebound statement game for the Rams for them to 
make that final push to get the first round by. So, yeah, uh, pretty straightforward game. Secondly, the Bears versus your San Francisco 49ers at San Francisco slash Santa Clara. Niners are coming off back-to-back wins in which just earlier on in the month, they were looking like they were going to pick number one and win the Nick Bosa sweepstakes. But lo and behold, they've strung together two very impressive wins. One against the Broncos, uh, against a formidable pass rush, and the second being the Seattle Seahawks. And both of them were home victories, don't get me wrong, but um, for them to beat Seattle, considering they got their asses handed, I think it was 41-16, to 16, just two weeks ago when they played at Seattle, uh, for them to kind of, I won't say ruin their playoff season chances uh, in regards to the Seahawks and taking that wild card spot, but they certainly make it a lot tougher to get that wild card spots just because now Seattle has to play uh, the, the Chiefs, who are uh, they're, they're going to be a really tough out, but they have to play the Chiefs to secure that wild card spot, and so the Niners can certainly put their heads up high. I mentioned earlier on my last pod with T up, you know, is it really advantageous for this franchise to take that win with Seattle, with the Broncos, or should they have just lost outright and saved that opportunity for the top pick in the draft and rebuild from there? Um, for me personally, I'm coming towards the side of the players and coaches that go week in and week out and competes and they're essentially fighting for their jobs. Uh, I can understand why this means so much more for a younger franchise. And it's not like this Niners team was playing with their veterans and winning against the Seahawks. It was it was Marcel Harris. It was Tavarius Moore. It was, I mean, Jeffrey Wilson, freaking Jeffrey Wilson, an undrafted free agent running back. I mean, these are Nick Mullins. Uh, these are players that are essentially you know being thrusted into these roles due to injuries due to some other circumstances but you're seeing them succeed and learn how to win in the nfl which is very tough to do so i can understand that sentiment Uh, i think that there is more value in that versus the draft pick but man it would have been really nice to have nick bosa in the nfc west maybe bosa will come to the nfc west but it might be in a different red it might be in a cardinal red right now if you catch my drift because the Cardinals are currently slated with the top pick. So you have the Chicago Bears who are 10-4. They just won the NFC North division. They essentially had nothing to play for, quote-unquote, uh, and they play the 4-10 and Niners. Bears are favored by 4.5 over under 43. And so Nick Mullins, as of right now, he's been balling. He's coming off That win against Seattle, but the last two games, he has 546 passing yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. And yeah, he's been a very pleasant surprise for the Niners. He is a big reason why they have those two wins in back-to-back weeks. But, I mean, Seahawks, Broncos, they're good defenses, but this Bears defense specifically, they make plays. Vic Fangio, their defensive coordinator, was the former defensive coordinator for the Niners. Yeah, I know Vic Fangio very well, and I read some articles about it, and I can kind of see where they're coming from. 
This current Bears defense is in the same mold of what the 2012-2013 Niners defense was. You have Khalil Mack, who's their version of Alden Smith. You have Akeem Hicks, who's their version of Justin Smith. I mean, yeah, I see a lot of similarities. Kyle Fuller, is there Carlos Rogers? So, I mean, the premise of a Vic Fangio defense is bring pressure without blitzing, which is, I mean, everyone would love to do that, but he does a great job of getting a pass rush without compromising the secondary. Uh, puts them in play, have the linebackers clean up the run game, and then have your secondary just ready, in coverage, ready to make a play. And so they have 35 takeaways for the season, 28 being interceptions from the secondary. I mean, they just won the NFC North, and you compare that to the Niners, who only have two interceptions for the season. The Niners only have five takeaways total, and you can understand why. The Bears are where they are, and where the Niners are where they are. It was just a couple seasons ago, and I'm sure everyone remembers this, but that infamous trade down for the Niners to trade down to get a couple of draft picks with the Bears so they can trade up one spot to draft Mitch Trubisky. You know, everyone gave their general manager pace. They gave him a lot of shit for it. But hey, man, as long as the outcome is wins, they're about to go in the postseason right now, and they've... I won't necessarily say that trade was the reason why, but the Bears, that front office has done a very good job of getting their team back to contention. So, outside of Nick Mullins, I mean, can the Niners get some freaking takeaways to end the season? Put it on a good note. They only have five for the season. They are on pace for a NFL record low if the season were to end today. I think... Right now, it is at seven takeaways. So, Niners have five. The lowest for the season is seven. They are on their way to make history. And I mean that in a very, very bad way. The Bears, their quarterback, Mr. Trubisky, he's not that good. But they have a great offensive scheme under Matt Nagy. They have some interesting receivers. And from Allen Robinson to Taylor Gabriel, I mean, they have some interesting pieces. Um, their biggest weapon that they're going to worry about is going to be Tariq Cohen, uh, running back receiver out the backfield. But, I mean, can the Niners make some plays? And in regards to plays, I'm going to give my man DeForest Buckner, defensive tackle for the Niners, a lot of credit. He is statistically, he's having the best season of his young career. Uh, he has 11 sacks, his first time getting double-digit sacks. It's the first time that the Niners have had a double-digit sack player since Alden Smith back in those 2012-2013 heydays for the Niners. But Buckner remains the Aaron Donald. Will I say that? Yeah, fine. He's been the Aaron Donald of the Niners team. And so, interestingly enough, he did not get the Pro Bowl. He was snubbed. He's going to be an alternate. But the Bears defensive tackle, Akeem Hicks, Formerly with the Patriots, but he is balling out under Vic Fangio. Like I mentioned before, Fangio is finding a way to get the best out of his players and out of that pass rush. But Akeem Nix only has six sacks, quote-unquote only has six sacks. And I can understand that. I mean, a winning team, they have a lot more talent in their front seven anyways. So maybe, you know, you have Khalil Mack with 12 and a half sacks, for example. You have Leonard Floyd, who's been right there. I think he has eight sacks. And so you can make the case that, hey, you know, DeForest Buckner has more sacks, but 
Akeem Nix, maybe he doesn't need as many sacks or he hasn't had as many opportunities because he has all these, I mean, his teammates, for example, they're, they're playmaking, they're making plays, and so I can get that sentiment. But if I was to force Buckner, I mean, he's coming off not only 11 sacks for the season, but he's coming off a stellar game in which, against Seattle, he had two sacks, he had, uh, I think, four tackles for losses, three quarterback hits. I mean, he was dominant in that win last week. And so can he take that take that fire, take that fire and put it out there against the Bears at home? I would love to see that. I would love for him to get to the quarterback, to get to Mitch Trubisky and get some freaking takeaways. So having said that, you know, overall, man, this game has a very similar vibe. So I think it was in week 15. It actually might have been week 16, ironically, but when the Niners played the Jaguars at home right around Christmas time, actually, it really might be week 16, but they played the Jacksonville Jaguars who had just clinched their division, was on their way to postseason. Uh, they were playing the quote-unquote lowly Niners, but that was Jimmy Garoppolo having his start, and that was essentially their statement game of the season against the top defense at the time in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so, yeah, the Bears are arguably the top defense in the NFL right now. They, they just don't won the division. You know, obviously they haven't sent them to win, but um, maybe the Niners could slip into the Bears and get a win at home. I mean, one can be hopeful, right? But having said that, I think that this Bears defense, they just... Uh, make a ton of plays. I think that they're going to get to Nick Mullins. I think that this is going to be a very close but tough game for the Niners. Um, I'd like to, I won't say I'd like to, but ideally I'd like them to compete but lose and get a better draft pick. Um, so yeah, give me the Bears 24, Niners 16. I think that it'll be competitive throughout the game, but eventually whether it's Tariq Cohen or, um, no, actually, I'm really worried about Tariq Cohen. But I think a big play or two will open this game wide open for the Bears, and they'll go ahead and come out with a win. So Bears 24 and Niners 16. Last but not least, we have the game of the week, Sunday Night Football, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Seattle Seahawks. And both teams are still playing. They still need a win. Chiefs, they had a 14-point lead late against the Chargers. And they squandered that. The Seahawks, oh man, I, like I mentioned before, they always beat the Niners. But untimely penalties, bullshit, whatever, they lost to the Niners. And so both teams are looking to, once again, pick up the pieces and try to win again to officially clinch a play of spots in their respective conferences. Seahawks with the NFC, Chiefs with the AFC. But here's the twist. It's at Seattle. The 12s are there. Sunday night game. It should be a very interesting game between two quarterbacks that are matching up for the first time with rookie quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who is playing at a MVP caliber level right now and you have Russell Wilson who is dangerous Wilson he is doing well I won't say he's doing dangerous Wilson things but he's been more efficient this year they've had a very strong running game thanks to a short up offensive line thanks to 
new offensive line coach, Mike Solari. So their run game is on point. They are the number one rushing team in the league. And so because of that, they are extremely efficient uh, with Russell Wilson, especially in play action. But having said that, whether it's Wilson or Mahomes, when you look at both these quarterbacks, they have very similar skill sets, which makes this matchup very intriguing for me. And so if Seattle if Seattle's going to win, you know, obviously they're going to try to run the football and set the tone and get Russell Wilson to do play action to his favorite receiver right now off of play action, which is Tyler Lacats, or some of the intermediate stuff with Doug Baldwin. But a lot of that is going to be predicated on their pass protection. Why did the Seahawks lose to the Niners? Penalties for one, but not just the penalties. It was the whiffs on their offensive line. Notably, because their tackles, Dwayne Brown and Jermaine Effetti, they've been pretty solid, but their weak link has been right on the interior side of pass protection. DJ Fluker, uh, who surprisingly... I. Thought he was like a piece of shit going into this offseason. But they signed DJ Fluker. He's been kind of like their locker room leader in, in that regards. He's been stellar for their offensive line. He's missed the last couple weeks. And so they've been patching up between rookie, undrafted rookie Jordan Simmons and Ethan Posick. And they haven't been playing that well. They haven't been protecting the quarterback. The trenches has been compromised. And so... Uh, hopefully, Fluker plays. He's questionable right now. But if they get that pass protection, they have an opportunity um, to really go head-to-head with that Chiefs offense. Mahomes has, I mean, he has much better skill set players within Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I mean, I get that. But this Chiefs secondary is really, really bad. They allowed the most... Passing yards per game at 282.5. And it's just wide open for them. Middle of the field. It's right there for them if they can protect the quarterback. If they can set up play action and protect Russell Wilson to step up into the pocket and really take advantage of this Chiefs secondary. It's worth noting that Eric Berry came back last week. He played, I think he played like 30 snaps last week, but. I'll be intrigued to see how many snaps he gets in this game because it's a must-win game for the Chiefs. It's a primetime game. Why not? Let's get him in the mix and see if he can change the complexity of this game. And so I hope that the Seahawks get their pass protection on point because if not, I mean, this Chiefs front seven at the very least, whether it's Chris Jones or D Ford, they have some pass rushers, man. So keep a lookout for that. Because that is going to be crucial if the Seahawks are going to win. Another thing to, you know, speaking of secondaries, another thing to keep in mind on the flip side is Seattle's own secondary. Sure, they've been young, youthful, but up and down. But they've been a solid bend but don't break type of secondary. They have 12 interceptions for the season. Bradley McDougal, in my eyes, is a Pro Bowl caliber player. He's playing, I mean, he's the reason why the secondary is what it is. But he suffered a knee injury last week against the Niners, and when they put in Delano Hill to replace him, the secondary just was not the same. It just wasn't the same, and they're already, uh, it was just reported that free safety Tedrick Thompson, who is replacing Earl Thomas, might add, uh, he's been ruled out this week with a chest and or, and or ankle injury. And so potentially you have some 
Uh, you have Delano Hill, who doesn't have that much playing experience. And you have Shalom Luani. That's what I see on the depth chart to replace Bradley McDougald. And so that is uh, that is troublesome because just in that same matter where I, I said that Russell Wilson can expose the Chiefs secondary, well, the Chiefs can do that and then some if you have Kelsey down the middle against those safeties on those intermediate routes. And so I would hope that McDougal, who is currently listed as questionable, I hope he does play. But, you know, if not, yeah, that's not a good look for Seattle secondary either. <sighs> Last but not least, Patrick Mahomes. Mentioned before, he, he's balling out, but he's balling out everywhere. It's not just home. He has 28 touchdowns and six interceptions on the road. And so it shows that, yeah, he can play wherever the hell and he can play very well. So I think for Seattle, especially at home, it's going to be crucial for the red zone defense. Their secondary right now is kind of out of whack, but their pass rush is still good. I still like Gerard Reed. I still like Frank Clark. I still like a lot of what they bring to the table from their front seven. KJ Wright is slated to return and play. I know he's been dealing with knee injuries, but they really need him. They really need him in, in coverage. They still have Bobby Wagner. He's playing at an MVP level as well. And so, yeah, red zone is going to be crucial. Seven points or three, because I think Mahomes will be able to move the offense up and down the field per usual, but it's what they do on the 20 onwards, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal. That remains to be seen, and that is going to be on Seattle's defense to really dictate this game. So having said that, um, I'm actually really looking forward to this game. It's going to be the game of the week in my eyes. No bias aside. Okay, maybe a little bit biased because of the NFC West. But I think that the Seahawks will find a way to win. They will come out ahead because, well, both teams need to win. But I think that this might be Russell Wilson's breakout game. He's been... How do I put it? He hasn't been playing that well the last couple weeks. Uh, I am kind of waiting for him to kind of cement himself and cement the Seattle Seahawks as a whole into the playoffs. And so, you know, if they win this game, yeah, they're in the playoffs. They are in the playoffs. They, they are in the NFC. And to do it at home on Sunday nights, I think that this is kind of like icing on the cake for Seattle. A team that... Going into this season, a lot of people thought they were going to be rebuilding with all this turnover, especially with losing Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor. I mean, just a whole, oh, Michael Bennett, just a whole bunch of roster turnover. But for them to turn it around and put themselves back into the playoffs would be phenomenal. So give me the Chiefs 24, Seahawks 27. The over-under is higher at 55. But I feel that it's going to be a closer-knit game where Seattle will find a way to come out ahead thanks to Russell Wilson. I think that this will be the, and quote this on me, this will be the Russell Wilson game of the year. All right, guys. It is, oh shit, I have to go pretty soon for more winning stuff. Once again, this is Just the West. Thank you so much for checking out my pod, especially so late before NFL Sunday. Be sure to check out my other stuff. I have Instagram at Just the West, Twitter at Just the West, and always my blog, www.justthewest.com. Till next time, we out here. Peace.